Hey guys, what's up? It is week 335. I did go to Cinema Wasteland last weekend. It was a blast. I only went for Saturday and Sunday, hung out with a bunch of the 22 Shots people. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't shoot anything. I wasn't there very long. Like I said, one day wasn't really enough to film a lot of stuff. Pretty hectic. Um, the Diabolic table wasn't there. They're usually there. So I usually come back with a big stack of movies. So I, I bought a little sparingly because I figured I'd wait till I got home to buy some stuff. And that placed a few orders here and there from pre-orders and stuff. So more stuff will be coming in instead of just spending this stuff on you know movies i bought a couple little things here and there so the update's not as big as i would like it to be but a couple things did come in as well but let's hop into these reviews and the first one up is a doozy and this is a classic Spanish horror film from 1971 by Armando Desorio, who did um, all four of these films, in fact. The Blind Dead series, this is Tombs of the Blind Dead, like I said, from 1971. He also did Lorelei's Grasp, um, Night of the Sorcerer, and Fangs of the Living Dead. Now, uh, I had seen Tombs of the Blind Dead years ago. It had been a long time, and I, I was sitting there, I was like, by my calculation, it's been... Uh, 22 years, 23 years since I've seen this movie. That's insane. You know you're getting old when you're like, I haven't watched this one in uh, nearly uh, a, a quarter century. So, uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Rewatching it, uh, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, actually. Now, this is the longest possible version. There's like three versions on here, really. You can watch the Spanish version, which is like uh, 140 minutes. And then you can watch the English version, uh, the United States, like Albert, which is like 83 minutes, which is probably, I don't know if I originally saw that one, if I had a re VHS recorded, but I remember watching the Anchor Bay uh, DVD which came with the first two films on there and that had um, that was uh, the uh, Spanish version if I'm not mistaken and then we have a hybrid here which is really cool because they take the English version and all the, and leave it in English, but uh, then they had in like the scenes that weren't ever translated and everything like that. So it's mostly in English with the Spanish stuff added in. So uh, first and foremost, I got to say, man, this looks gorgeous. Synapse did a wonderful job cleaning this thing up. It looks it looks wonderful, and there's a lot of beautiful scenery and locations. Right, it's, it's a brightly lit movie. It's a lot of it takes place during the day, so it's not really brightly lit. A lot of daytime horror here. It's really well done. It looks fantastic. All the buildings and structures are amazing. You realize how well done and professional Amando made this movie. Uh, there's a couple familiar faces in here. Uh, a lot of Spanish kind of genre actors, but uh, the lead actress is in a bunch of stuff. What is her name? I want to make sure. Lone, uh, Lone Fleming. And uh, yeah, she's she's in a slew of stuff. If you look her up, you're like, oh, I've seen like two a dozen movies with her in it at least. So uh, yeah, this one is pretty interesting because it's, it's a zombie film in between night and dawn. And I asked that question uh, a while, a couple years back. I said, what is your favorite zombie film in between night and dawn? Because in honesty, you get a lot of bizarre ones. We all know about the Italian zombie cycle after Dawn of the Dead and, you know, zombie flesh eaters, all that stuff, right? But the Spanish zombie cycle is a little bit shorter, a little bit different, a little bit more bizarre. Um, and they actually have a documentary on here, um, kind of, what is it, The Marauders of the Mediterranean. Let me, let me definitely find that. It's a really great, uh, The Marauders from the Mediterranean. And this kind of focuses on the Spanish zombie film. And, and they talk about you know, being inspired by Night Living Dead, kind of, and have their own thing. And talks a lot about the Spanish uh, film industry and horror films and all that. Of course, it talks about, you know, Paul Nashi and uh, who else pops up. Of course, it talks about Amando and Jorge Grau, who, who directed Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, which is a wonderful Spanish-Italian uh, co-production, which is probably the best Spanish zombie movie, if not one of the best zombie movies ever made, top five. Um, great movie. So essentially what we have here is the, uh, the, the, the Templar Knights were at one point kind of done wrong, according to them, and they are kind of reside in this kind of castle area. And one, there's kind of like this kind of weird love triangle going on where these two girls had a long, old, kind of lesbian relationship. And there's a guy that's interested in one of them, not the other one. They're on this train. They get in kind of this argument. And the girl just decides to kind of run off the train, jump off into kind of the uh, the, the beautiful countryside. I think this movie's actually shot in Portugal because they didn't want to shoot in Spain because, you know, bad for tourism is what they said in the special features. is very funny because it's the time of Franco, right? I'm not talking about Jess Franco, who's mentioned that Spanish documentary as well. We're talking about, you know, general. Franco, real piece of shit, um, fascist kind of governing leader of Spain. Every time you talk about Spanish genre film, he's brought up for good reason because he kind of changed the outlook of Spanish films, how they were made and everything. When he passed, they got more kind of raunchy and everything, which added things, freedom, different stuff like that. 
So what happens is this girl jumps off and she ends up in this weird kind of area, isolated. They refuse to stop the train. These two kind of conductors, father and son, uh, the father is very superstitious. And we kind of get that classic universal hammer thing, like, don't stop there, don't go there. Everybody's paranoid, superstitious around this area. And uh, she ends up being brutally murdered. Um, She ends up in the morgue. Um, which kind of brings a couple scenes that are reminiscent of zombie flesh eaters or let sleeping corpses lie to be brutally honest. That whole scene with the, with, uh, felt really mu- very much like the photography photographer scene in let sleeping corpses lie or the, you know, the morgue scene in zombie, but very reminiscent more so let sleeping corpses lie almost like closer than I ever remembered. And I'd seen like, like Corp- let sleeping corpses lie is a movie I've seen so many times and, and tombs is only a couple times. So, so I was like, I was, that was very interesting. So what happens is of course the, uh, the other two of the love triangle decide to try to figure out what happened to her. And they kind of take this criminal and his like kind of his, his girlfriend out to figure out what happens. And they're attacked by the blind dead. The blind dead are very creepy. Uh, like I said, they are kind of these uh, old dead, uh, you know, like uh, Knights Templar that were kind of their eyes were gouged out. And so they hear by sound. Uh, they're very bizarre looking. They're creepy. They're the only zombies or they don't call them zombies. They, the director calls them mummies, although somebody is a zombie later. It's weird. He can, they talk about this in the special features again. But, uh, yeah, they're the only zombies that ride horseback and weld swords. They're really awesome, really creepy. The atmosphere is thick. They're crawling out of tombs. This is gothic masterpiece stuff. This is gothic wet dream, right? It's really great stuff. Um, the gore is decent. For 1971, it's pretty explicit, you know. There is some nudity. There is some sex. There is a, a, a rape scene, which is rather unpleasant. And I did remember that rape scene from when I originally saw this. I remember thinking, wow. That's pretty rough. Um, just enough to stick in your head. And I think I remember the VHS tape originally being PG. So I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like a rape scene that had PG in it. It was always kind of bizarre to me. And it's not the only movie. Um, but like I said, the ending is great too. It reminds me of something like children shouldn't play with dead things. Just this big kind of crazy uh, ending. Very uh, nihilistic. Uh, so, so yeah, this movie's fantastic. It looks fantastic. They did a great job cleaning it up. It's a recommended classic. You know, it's one that I think that most people do show appreciation. Now, if you don't love the movie, it does have slow moving parts, especially in the beginning. I think that you'll have a deep respect for it in terms of the history of Spanish horror and horror films in general. As far as the special features are concerned, there's a slew of them. Like I said, it's two discs. The theatrical version is on one, the U.S. theatrical version. Then we have, of course, have the original Spanish language and slash English Spanish hybrid soundtrack versions, which is great. Soundtrack's also really good in this, but uh, it's like really creepy. And I think like maybe in the vein of Let's Sleep the Corpses Lie, right? How they use the the weird sound, like, the breast sound. That's one of my favorite movies. So that one I, I do know quite a bit about or remember a lot, I should say. So as far as what the features are, we have three commentaries here. I'll do commentary with horror film historian and author Troy Haworth. That's a great one. He talks a lot about the movie, a lot about who's in here. Um, he mentions how he dislikes the rape scene and talks about the, you know, how you could get away with violent sex in movies, but consensual sex at the time was a no-no, which is insane. It's crazy. He also talks, you know, a little bit about that that kind of stuff and how creepy they are and his favorite uh, Blind Dead movies, all this kind of stuff. Good stuff. Very informative. Always enjoy his commentaries. Also a commentary with star uh, Lone Fleming. Audio commentary with Rod Bartett and Troy Gwynn of Nashy Cast. They're great. They know a lot about Spanish horror films. They talk a little bit about the difference between the director's cut. I mean, the, the theatrical cut, U.S. theatrical cut, and the Spanish cut, all that stuff in there. And then Marauders from the Mediterranean. I love this. This is a feature-length documentary exploring the history of Spanish zombie films featuring interviews with Night of Living Dead writer, producer John Russo, Stigius Film Festival uh, deputy director Mike Honstench, film critic John Martin, academic uh, Callum Waddell, The Living Dead, The Manchester Morgue director Jorge Grau, Tombs of the Blind Dead star Loin Fleming, actors Helda Line, uh, Manuel De Bias, Antonio Mayans, Jack Taylor, Paul Nash's son Sergio Molino, Arthur film critic Kim Newman, and academic writer Steve Jones. I didn't know they were going to have them all listed. That makes my job a lot easier. Loved hearing John Russo talk because he talks about what parts of Night of the Living Dead he invented. And I never heard him say some of the stuff he said in there. Also loved seeing Jorge Corral talk, director of Let's Assume Corpses Lie, Hunting Ground, all sorts of good stuff. Um, Blood Ceremony. He talks about his relation to 
hearing what George Merrill thought of Let's David Corpses Lie, and that brought a smile to my face. I um, love that stuff. Uh, also, Kim Newman, uh, you know, all these guys, Cal- uh, Callum Wydell, who's made tons of documentaries himself, including one that I want to see about the Cannibal Holocaust, uh, where he actually goes on location. It's not been released in the States yet. But, uh, no, all that stuff is great. They, they have a lot to say about uh, the Spanish horror films. They've talked about Horror Express, which I think is, is one of the most fantastic uh, horror films ever made. They talk about all the zombie films and Ashy and stuff. And it's just a great group of people that have a lot of information from different walks. You know, it's not just the academics. It's not just the directors. It's not just the actors. It's a mixture of all of them or the, the people's family members. It's just like that's how you get the grasp of it, right? You don't just take one. There's so many documentaries just talking heads of people that have nothing to do with it or are, are don't know anything about it. You're like, I just don't want to see a bunch of fans. Like, you, for that, you can watch me on YouTube, you know, for free. It's not part of a documentary. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, that's a great uh, feature add on there or feature, basically. And then what else do we have on here? Um, Revenge of the Planet Ape, alternate U.S. opening sequence. The story behind that is fucking hilarious. Listen to it. Uh, Awakening of a Spanish Horse Cinema, featurette, Salem's Pop, Templar's Tears, music video, original theatrical trailer. So, yeah, awesome stuff here. Looks and sounds wonderful. I was taken back by the picture quality. Fucking fantastic. Synapse did a great job. Great movie. Great movie. Okay, we're here to talk about another Spanish film, and this is from Radiance Films, which I, I've been loving a lot of the stuff they're doing, and this is The Dead Mother from 1993. Now, this is a movie that I think has a lot of, like, clout or artistic uh, merit in its own country of Spain, but as far as I, I know, I did not know about this one. This is not a movie that really crossed my radar. It's not a horror film, um, but it's, I would say, genre. It's a crime film, It's a, it's a, and it's got really dark subject matter, and the first movie that comes to mind for me... Um, it really kind of reminded me a lot of maybe something Alex Stanley and Glacia would do without comedy, but also in a glass cage, which is a really disturbing movie from 1986 by uh, uh, Augusta Vigoranda. If I'm not, if I, that's remember his name, he's done a bunch of great genre movies, very interesting director. And that is a, is a horror film about a really fucked up relationship between uh, ex-Nazi and a houseboy kind of deal that he hires that he used to molest and it's fucked up it's a fucked up movie and this one has some some of the same shades it's a little less dark but it has these dark elements as well so it's it's pretty fucking dark um first and foremost i want to say that the cinematography is fantastic um this is one of these movies where the camera moves but the camera moves for a reason and it always ends on a brilliant shot in a reveal you know, it goes through, it's showing something, and it'll go past somebody, shows their stance, their posture, and it'll go to the character's hand. It'll go to their hand, it'll stop, and you'll see their hand clench. It shows you what is happening, it doesn't tell you. Filmmaking 101, you know, I mean, it, it's such a well-done movie in terms of cinematography. The camera tells you the story. They don't just say it out loud. It And... It's, it's got a unique look to it. The movie has a brilliant look to it. It's got like a gloomy look. And I don't want to say it's one of these movies where they suck all the color out and that's that. No, it has a, a very distinct color palette to it. That It works perfectly with the movie, with the, the feeling and the mood. So in the opening of this film, this young girl witnesses her mother die. It's pretty brutal. The guy uh, is about to kill her and then we kind of cut. We kind of fast forward. This young girl seems to, um, we kind of cut to the criminal. And he's working in this bar, and he's a strange fellow. And, and outside, he witnesses what he thinks is that young girl. He knows it's her. She's older now. She looks slow, doesn't looks out of it. And he w- looks at her, and he's just kind of obviously taken by her, confused that she's still there. Um, and you realize how violent this guy still is. He goes back to his girlfriend after he does some awful things, and he starts uh, kind of to focus on this girl more and more. His girlfriend uh, knows of his exploits, and their relationship is really bad. He's very, uh, very verbally abusive. She doesn't seem like she's the best person on earth either. So eventually what it leads to is he kidnaps this girl. And at first he's going to hold her for ransom or get rid of her because he thinks that she still knows and she's going to turn him in. Uh, what happens is a lot of feelings kind of emerge, and there's scenes where you kind of see a softer side to him, but in reality they're really dark at the same time. There's a lot of darkness to it. That's the only way I can put it, but he gets obsessed with trying to make her smile because she's not there, all there, all she cares about is chocolate, which plays in. They set that up well, too, and then the chocolate comes in at the very end. There's all these little touches um, where they set the chocolate. There's reoccurring themes and reoccurring moments, and like I said, the cinematography is great, too, and just dark. It's dark as hell, and uh, there's there's parts of this movie where I just 
got chills, uh, especially towards the end of the hospital. There's one thing that happens that kind of just sent chills down my spine. Um, but this is an exceptionally well done movie. Um, it's a is super well acted, super interesting characters, um, and just sad, sad movie. Uh, well done crime drama. Um, as far as the special features are concerned, we have audio commentary by Bahu Ula, The Story of the Dead Mother, a documentary of the making of the film, Victor's Kingdom, El Reno del Victor, 1989, 38 minutes, a short film by the director, restored in 4K. Then we have Gallery Trailer, Reversible Sleeve, featuring original newly commissioned artwork by The Time Tomorrow, limited edition booklet featuring new writing on the film by Xavier Aldana Reyes, and limited edition soundtrack CD, and it's a great soundtrack. Um, this is a really, really excellent movie. And uh, dark, and uh, there, there's just beautiful imagery too. Um, who would think that uh, urine being covered in blood would actually look so aesthetically pleasing in in an awful but very well done way, you know? Um, but really recommended the Dead Mother. I, w- I would check this one out. Uh, Radiance Films keeps knocking it out of the park. Okay, the next one here is from Cult Epics, and this is from the director Marlene Goris, and uh, she had a couple films I covered on here. She put out A Question of Silence and Broken Mirrors. Both really interesting movies, both excellent movies. A Question of Silence kind of blew me away, what it's saying, completely different stuff. But we have The Last Island is another one that is really unique and different. Now, this director kind of focuses on a lot of LGBTQ stuff. Um, This one is kind of a Lord of the Flies kind of story, you would say, but it's different. It's unique, and it, it focuses on different things. It touches on different things. We have this uh, plane that crashes on this island that seems deserted. Um, the biggest actor on the island is Paul Freeman. You'll also recognize this religious character. He is one of the kind of Nazi uh, imperial officers in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He's in a bunch of movies. He's excellent as well. In fact, the entire cast is really well done, really well cast in here and they all do an exceptional job so you have about these um five or six people that are on this island uh, two women one older a dog and 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 whatnot so like at first they are are thinking they're going to be rescued they start to work together to build things and before long they start to think that maybe something happened to the mainland they're not seeing any planes they're not seeing anything they're thinking something happened and they may be the last people on earth. And over time, paranoia and this kind of patriarchal society starts to kind of overwhelm, over kind of heat. And, and there's different levels of it, right? And the religious guy, he starts to lose his grip. Um, but other people are not uh, on, on the level. You kind of see all the darknesses in people. Some people just can't, you know, can't bite their tongue. Some people just can't keep it in their pants. Some people, you know what I mean? They just don't take no for an answer. All these kind of things, right? In kind of a typical way that you would expect some people to do. But this one has definitely that kind of, that view of that kind of patriarchal society being judgy of it and all that kind of stuff here at first, you know, and our, our lead here says, why couldn't they just live, right? And it makes a lot of sense too. It's well shot. It's well acted. Paul Freeman is a great actor. You know, he's an actor that is in so many movies that you don't register it. Um, well, I'll kind of work. He's in, um, Dogs of War with Christopher Walken, which is a solid role, but he's fucking Ivan Ooze, which is super silly. He's in a Power Rangers movie. He's Ivan Ooze, which is so weird. And of course, he's in the Indiana, Indiana Jones. Uh, you know, the first one. He's one of the, he's the villain. He's one of the villains. So you're just like, this dude is in so much weird stuff and uh, just off the wall stuff. And he's by far the best character in here for me. He's the best actor. He, um, and this movie has two homosexual characters in there, which is kind of uh, at the time probably pretty refreshing. But uh, yeah, this is definitely a movie that has a lot to say about kind of society and what, what, what kind of people judge in society and try to control you. It's well done. It's well acted. And for a movie that takes place on an island and it's an hour and 40 minutes, it doesn't lose your, you know, you don't lose, you don't get bored. You don't lose your patience. You're invested the entire time. Very good stuff. The last island. The last place for the new future. So I, I, I like all the characters, or they're, they're all interesting enough to watch. And there's a bunch of features on here. So we have an audio introduction by producer Dick Moss. Funny, it's produced by Dick Moss. Of course, he did The Lift, Down, Amsterdam, um, and what is the other one? Spetter? He didn't do Spetters. Was that, uh, did he do? I can't. Spetters, I think, is a Paul Verhoeven. He did a couple other ones that are pretty famous, too. But then, um, Audio commentary by film scholar Peter Verstraten, behind the scenes of the last interview, uh, last island, uh, interview with po- um, Politica columnist uh, Anna Marie uh, Grenwell, and original trailer, promotional gallery, and trailers. This one's from 1990, The Netherlands, but it does have English-speaking actors in here, too. But there's two different uh, languages. You can watch it in English language with optional subtitles. I thought there was a, a Dutch one on here. No, it looks like we only have it in English here. So Yeah, I watched it in English myself because a lot of the actors are actually English-speaking actors. Maybe all of them. But that is the last time. Good stuff. All right, let's get into those 1981 movies. 
Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. first 1981 movie is a day of judgment now this is a super weird movie i've covered this one before this is released by severn films this is a regional horror film um what what state was this made uh geez this was made in the south i can't think of what state i mean it's such a weird kind of quality about it is why i i'm focusing on it here so essentially this one is kind of a an anthology we have these uh you know vignette stories but it's a period piece which is great and we kind of follow this town of sin it's a town of sin. This is a religious horror film. I will say that. Um, but it's not so uh, over your head. I mean, yes, it, I guess it's kind of preachy in a way. But, like, you watch it and you're just like, those guys are all assholes. And I don't think that religious or non-religious people would feel any different about them. I think they think they're all pretty bad guys and, and gals. So uh, it's these different stories here, right? Like, uh, basically, the Grim Reaper is coming to town. And he's going to take these people to hell. So we see what they've done. Um, and, and one of them is this old lady. 
And she's just one of these kind of like people that's just miserable and unhappy with their life to the point where her, like her, her maid kind of is like, I'm leaving because you're just an awful person. She's racist. And then to the point where she's like hyper focused on these little kids walking like a goat. The kids, the kids are walking around the place and they have this goat. And like, they're just like, she's like, that goat's in my yard. So she just, she does some awful things. And her, her whole, her whole thing that happens to her is probably the best part of the movie. She ends up getting pulled down to hell like physically pulled down to hell through the ground, which is a reshoot is my understanding. This movie is pretty tame and they reshot it like night of the demon, which uh, they mentioned that in the Severin uh, podcast, which is a great one, but that everybody knows this common knowledge, right? After you have to watch the features on that, they always tell you this uh, gore and weird shit's reshot. This one is the same deal. A weird regional kind of almost religious horror film that has reshoots to make it scarier or more appealing to the masses. So, um, what happens is it's kind of crazy, right? Like back in the day, they'd made stuff more crazy to be appealing to the masses. Now they take it away. But uh, this girl gets pulled, this little gal gets pulled to hell. But there's just, there's some other people in here that have good care. Uh, one guy is like trying to get back at this guy for making his marriage fall apart. Um, that's probably, my, that gets the darkest. But then there's, of course, the banker. And the banker's this heavyset guy who's in, um, he's in, geez, Death Screams. The, the cheap slasher movie, he's the sheriff, and he's just the non, non-committal, non-giving-a-shit sheriff, and this one he plays an evil banker. He's really solid in it. He's a really good actor in this one, and he's just an asshole, as you would expect a 1930s like, banker to be. Um, and we also have a, a adultery-style story, what's well, a religious kind of thing here. So, yeah, this is a solid, kind of cheap, weird, kind of regional horror film that's got its quality, and it ends, of course, on kind of a... Uh, a Krampus note, I'll say that, if that makes any sense to anybody. It's worth watching if you like this sort of thing. Bizarre movie. The second time watch, I enjoyed it more this time around. Um, so, the special features, The Atheist Sins interview with author of Nightmare USA, Stephen Thrower, Tales of Judgment interviews with filmmaker Worth Keeter and writer Tom McIntyre. So yeah, it is, it is a fun movie. I enjoy it. Check out A Day of Judgment. Okay, next up is from Deaf Crocodile, and this is a sci-fi kind of fantasy horror film, and uh, it is Visitors from the Arcana Galaxy. And this is, uh, is this a Czechoslovakian film or something along those lines? I think it is. I really want to say it is. In Croatian. It's from Croatia. Sorry, I mixed Czechoslovakia and Croatia. So Croatia, this might be the first Croatian film I've actually watched as a horror film, maybe. Who knows? But uh, Visitors from the Arcana Galaxy from Death Crocodile. Uh, Vinegar uh, Syndrome Partner Label. This is a weird fucking movie. I don't even know how to go about this. So we have this writer who's hyper-focused on writing this science fiction story. He where he, he gets really into it. He puts on like a space helmet to do it, document it. Seems like everybody around him is kind of annoying, including his friend's mom, who is insanely annoying. Oh my god. He's got a, a, a girlfriend that's there all the time. She seems alright, but this, this lady is like insane. So he's got a buddy who's a photographer. And what happens is he's hyper-focused on this story. And he kind of goes to psychiatrist here and there, and he kind of hints what's going on right away. Like, he says, as some weird stuff starts to happen where his story starts, the stuff from his story starts to invade real life. Like, these these uh, kind of scientific, these, like, space creature things are actually real now. And you kind of hint, he says something about, like, wishing for his father to have breast when he was a baby and it happened so he could breastfeed. So, I mean, like, weird shit like that. So, we're kind of, like, looking at someone who has special powers here. We're not looking at an alien invasion. Bizarre, right? Um, I would say something along the same lines of Dark Knight of the Scarecrow or The Child, right? Where we have this character that probably can control and do things that they don't really know about. Carrie, of course, the same kind of deal. So, so what happens is visitors from the Arcana Galaxy, he ends up kind of bringing these kind of space aliens into life. And there's these two young kids who are kind of mischief makers and, of course, our lead kind of female kind of one that can do all sorts of weird, crazy things that we kind of explore. Like, at points, it feels like E.T., but then there'll be, like, full frontal nudity of the everybody stripping down and trying to like so so the aliens don't see that they don't have it so they can see they don't have weapons on them they're like walking towards them then we have like laser battles it's really fucking weird but what really makes this one better and kind of stay it also reminds me of the my stepmother is an alien with dan Aykroyd, and i can't think of who else is in that not quite as goofy as that i mean as lighthearted as that it is though kind of so but the crazy thing that really happens is this one does feel like a weird off-putting nightmare too at times there's a toy that the kids have, and these toys are highly dangerous when it gets large. So this thing basically eats half the cast. It goes through and just goes berserk at the end of the movie and attacks a, a wedding party. It is weird, absurd kind of style horror where people's like arms get bitten off or their heads get knocked off or stepped on, and they're like, what's going on? And their head's like half squashed. You're like, what the 
fuck is this thing? This is a weird movie. I don't know how to explain it besides that it's fucking bizarre, it's weird, it's absurd, it's silly, it's entertaining, it's it's nightmarish. I would recommend it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'd never seen anything quite like it. Um, 1981. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Weird as shit. But if you're not liking it, stick around till the ending because that creature coming in there, that weird monster, is well worth the time. So as far as special uh, features, we have new commentary track by film historian Sam Deegan, new essay by film historian Professor Jennifer Lynn Barker, Fiverr animated shorts by Dustin Volkovic, uh, I'm not going to, The Cow of the Moon, uh, Piccolo, um, 101, 1001 Drawings, The Substitute, uh, Ari's uh, Gracie Artiste, and Blu-ray authoring by David McKenzie of Finland. Um uh, fidelity emotion so yeah interesting stuff i would recommend it weird 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 stuff okay next up is an indonesian flick and it stars the lead from queen of black magic which i covered for this year as well and this is ghost with hole or sudden sudden burrow uh sundell burrow whatever ghost with hole it is and uh this is directed by a guy who did a bunch of these movies i can't he did primitives and he did a couple other ones i covered from last year like this guy i've watched like almost all his movies so far and there's a couple more horror movies but ghost with hole i really like this one this one is fucking weird i did i don't really know how to explain it here but so here we go we have this girl who's uh, dating Barry Prima, who's a pretty much famous Indonesian actor. He's in The Warrior from this year as well, which I think is the same director, which is a fun fantasy horror film. So basically what happens is they're getting married. Uh, they just got married. They're very happily married. She has to, He has to go away on business for nine months. She's not happy about it. And uh, somebody gives her a call and says, you know, I know you've been doing these kind of things. Like, I think she's like, uh, addresses and making something along those lines, and I'd like you to come in, and maybe I can buy some for you. He kind of corners her and says, why don't you become a model for me? And it turns out that somebody from her past uh, is friends with him. This woman was her pimp. And she says they want to make her like another prostitute, like a famous prostitute and everything like that. This lady's already had a horrible life. Her parents are dead. Her twin sister's dead. Um, so what happens is uh, basically uh, they, they kind of take advantage of her and trick her and a bunch of goons, four goons and this woman and another guy, they rape her. They rape her. She goes to court and everything like that. And she has a horribly tragic end, right? She dies because uh, she gets pregnant. And there's a really awful deal where the doctor, she just gets nothing right for her. She, she ends up committing suicide. Um, but that night, you know, of course, she starts to come back. But is it, is it the twin sister that's supposedly dead? We know the answer, right? We know it's the ghost with a hole. And it's called ghost with a hole because she has a rotting, nasty, gaping wound on her back. There is some comedy in here, especially when she kind of has these moments where she goes to eat she goes to eat at this like kind of stand and all these guys are freaking out about it like oh my god what's happening and she's like eating all these foods really ridiculous and drinking the soup and of course the soup's pouring out of her back but it's basically a rape revenge film right uh, from beyond the grave and she messes some of these guys up she fucks them up i mean it's not as good as queen of black magic i like that one quite a bit i think i like it better than the warrior although both are good i think this is better than the warrior i think this is pretty good um, it reminds me of a lot of Hello, Who Is It, the 1994 um, Hong Kong rape revenge movie where the, the woman gets revenged by being a ghost through the, the phone lines. I can't make this shit up. But uh, it's not as crazy as that. It's damn crazy, though. So she ends up messing all these people up, right? Uh, they even hire, like, a shaman to try to take her out in kind of classic style. You know, if you've seen, like, The Wailing or any of these old movies, right? Um, any Asian kind of horror films will always, like, have a shaman battle, right? It happens in Encounters of the Spooky Guide. It happens in The Wailing. And it's, it's all different kinds. It happens in, like, you know, Mr. Vampire. All this kind of shit, right, with this magic and stuff. So, like, there's this great scene where they have this shaman. She fucks and flattens him but um yeah she she tears up a bunch of people she she picks off the people that raped her and then she ends up going for the head honcho and stuff like that entertaining movie good movie um crazy has some good special effects uh some wonky stuff some goofy silly stuff it's very indonesian like if you've seen some of the other ones i think you'll enjoy this and i'm glad seeing that we're getting some indonesian horror films made nowadays you know we're having like joko Antwar, and his stuff is cool and it's very reminiscent of this kind of stuff too the director also did satan slaves the original if i'm not mistaken which i think comes out next year i think it's an 82 which is a good film uh so so i'm just saying there's so much cool shit uh from indonesia that we haven't seen i think he also did wolf uh striga from this year so i mean like it's so you know I'm, there's just so many i gotta look this director up and make sure next time i talk about him i know which ones he directed i know he didn't do queen of black magic but he did a slew of other ones probably the warrior wolf um 
uh geez uh, uh primitives a bunch of these ones so anyways uh ghost with hole good stuff uh you know this is uh this is an underrated one this is one that i never heard too many people talk about i never actually never and I would have probably never heard of it if I didn't go through the master list. I make master lists of all horror years that before like 2000. So like I, I look through everything and research everything, even when I don't watch them. Um, I, I look to what they are and if they're available and stuff like that in any aspect, in any way. But yeah, this is really cool stuff. Interesting too, especially if you like Indonesian horror. It's different. Okay, we got another really bizarre one, um, and this is by Jose Laraz, uh, Jose Ramon Laraz, um, famous uh, kind of horror director, right from Spain. Uh, he did stuff like Vampires, Whirlpool, Coming of Sin, Symptoms, uh, Stigma from last year in 1980. He's a good director, right? This one is called National Mummy. That's right. It's a 1981 sex comedy horror film by um, Jose Ramon Laraz. Is that weird as shit? Like, I, if you would have told me he did this five years ago, I'd be like, that's bullshit. That doesn't exist. That's not a real movie. But, yeah, it is. And it shows, like, he's got a wide range. A wider range than I ever guessed. You know, his movies are usually gothic or dark or sexual kind of exploit. I mean, he also did Edge of Axe, if I'm not... Did he do that? Was it Wampi? I think he did do Edge of Axe and Rest in Pieces. So, I mean, like, dude's done a bunch of horror films. So, watching this one, I put this in. I did not know what to expect. I finally got good subtitles. You know, I had AI subtitles, but they weren't great. These ones are much better. So, I watched it. And right away, I was like, this is the goofiest shit. And I started laughing. Like, I'm looking at the reviews after I started laughing. I was like, this is great. Everyone hated it. And, like, there is a lot of political humor that, that's direct references to the time, which I don't get all of it. I, I don't get all that. So some of those jokes, I'm just like, huh? But I can kind of grasp it. But the other stuff, just the stupid slapstick shit makes me laugh. So, okay. We have a female mummy who's a nymphomaniac who's trying to screw everyone and grabs their dicks. I'm not making this up. We see her breast through there. It's just, she's like a giant mummy and she's trying to fuck everybody. We also have um, an archaeologist who's turning into a werewolf. So that's like the sixth, seventh werewolf oriented horror film from this year, right? We have an archaeologist turning into a werewolf. So he got it, the curse from the mummy. And then we have a Dr. Dracula who has a brothel of vampire women that he sends out to steal money and suck blood. Then on top of that, we have a granny who is ultra right wing with an axe trying to kill everybody that she thinks is not right wing it's really silly it's really weird um people are attacked by the granny people are dicks are grabbed by the mummy i laughed out loud like five or six times right in the very beginning the guy gets hit he's like fuck you hit me in the dick and i was just like is that actually what they're saying right now but it's just so sleazy and trashy it's equivalent to like Hey, do you think we can add, like, the Three Stooges and Revenge of the Nerds with mummies? It's like, sure. What if Abigastella were a bunch of perverts and it was made in the style of Revenge of the Nerds or the Three Stooges? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm overselling this. You guys are probably like, that sounds good. I mean, or maybe you're like, that sounds fucking dumb. Uh, you'd be right. And both that. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, it's sleazy. It's definitely rapey. Um, I mean, it's an 80s comedy. Even in, even in Spain. They were rapey, apparently. I mean, like, they they got the memo, right? I mean, like, stuff like Revenge of the Nerds and Porkies and shit. That stuff was pretty rapey. That's the only word to say it, right? And I guess Spain is not any different. But it's just so stupid and weird and goofy. And the dialogue is hilarious. I really thought this was funny. I'm also six years old. But National Mummy, I would recommend it. And it's an interesting piece to think who it's directed by. It's crazy. You know, he had a movie last year, too. What Which one did he do last year? Um, stigma, which I like. I mean, so like, it's weird. And there's a lot of Spanish guys that are directors that are just keep trucking. They're making a movie 80, 81, 82. They just don't stop. Right. So it's kind of like a lot of these lower directors, not lower, but I mean like second tier that maybe not the big famous, I mean by famous are making movies nonstop. So it's interesting to see where they go from stigma to national mummy. Crazy. Okay. Last up is the Patreon pick from 1986 from arrow videos. The, the wonderful Grace Jones in vamp. And it's been years since I watched this one. This is a very fun vampire movie. I always remembered seeing it. Um, obviously, uh, inspiration to From Dust Till Dawn. Vampires in a strip joint. How could you go wrong? Who's the actor in here? Robert Russell is in here from Nightmare Elm Street Part 2. He was recently in Jacob's Wife. Nice to see him in that. So I put in this, and I was like, man, it's been a long time. Oh, there's Billy Drago's in here as kind of a weird albino kind of guy. So basically, these guys trying to get in a frat. Hey, it is the 80s after all. It is a comedy. It is a kind of a horror sex comedy deal 
So these guys are trying to get into a fraternity, and they uh, basically are going through the ritual. It's really stupid. They say, Russell says, listen, we'll get you anything you want. Why are you wasting us like this? They obviously want a stripper. So they end up going to some like abandoned town where there's supposed to be a great strip joint, and the lead attraction is Grace Jones. Now, Grace Jones is a very beautiful, powerful, um, different-looking woman that, like, is just as a vampire, you know she's a vampire. It's right on the case. Perfect. Fucking perfect casting right there. So uh, they see her perform. Robert Russell and them are, are taken by her. They try to get her there. They have a, a third uh, a third wheel with them who is the rich boy, the money guy with the, the thing. And he basically is like, be my friend for a week. And it's just hilarious. Kind of sad in a way. They're using him, but he's also very annoying. So, hey. Um, what happens is, of course, they are uh, something happens to where somebody's bitten that shouldn't get bit. They try to keep it on a down low. And all the vampire kind of strippers kind of go after them and kind of keep them contained. Everybody in here in this bar is a a vampire, including the promoter, the bodyguard. The promoter is hilarious. He's always talking about going to Vegas. I want to go to Vegas. He's just really good. He's like this kind of classic Italian character actor. Really good stuff. Uh, Very funny. All the best dialogue. Classy. Classy. Um, I, I like that guy a lot. Uh, Russell is good in it too. The relation, uh, Mark Peace. Uh, but more, what is this actor's name? Chris Mar- Makepeace. He's good in this too. He's perfect. He's got a very boyish look to him. Very clean cut, kind of all American. He, he fits perfect in here, and he didn't really act very much for too long. Um, but yeah, and, and like the the lead girl in here, the love interest is super adorable and super cute, and very good actress. I liked her. I liked their relationship. I like that. There's a whole bunch of sewer stuff in here. They kind of have the catacombs in the sewers. And there's a beautiful color lighting scheme of pink and, and green. And I miss that. Light your fucking movies, man. Light the streets. Put that. And like, it's out in the streets and stuff. And there's a good payoff with, uh, the, you know, Billy Drago and his group. But this is an entertaining movie. The special effects are good. Grace Jones is phenomenal. The music is good. The location is good. The story's good. I, I like everything about this one, to be honest. So, so, I mean, like, if you've never seen Vamp, I, I would recommend checking this one out. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I appreciate who picked this one. I think it was Jim Simon probably picked Vamp, but uh, as far as the special features, we have one of those nights, uh, The Making of Vamp, a brand new documentary featuring interviews with director Robert Wang, director of photography Elliot Davis, star Robert Russell, D.D. Pfeiffer, Gidi Watabi, uh, behind-the-scenes rehearsals, blooper reel, film, trailers, TV spots, reversible sleeve featuring original newly commissioned artwork by Twins of Evil. Good stuff. All right, let's get these questions, comments, concerns, all that jazz. Uh, Brian likes beans. I saw big dreamy arms and a dope mustache. I clicked. Thank you. Uh, Skip Barber, 1604. The shorter formatted reviews works for this episode. Thank you. Ken Coakley, regarding The Survivor, I read the James Herbert book but can't remember any of it. I like the movie's cast. It wasn't Robert Powell's best performance. I did like his performance in the film version of Tommy as the title character's father. He didn't sing even though it's a rock opera. In my opinion, his best performance was the 1977 uh, NBC miniseries Jesus of Nazareth. I saw a recent interview with him and an interviewer uh, mentioned that certain churches have Jesus statues and paintings that look like Powell. I agree with you about Nicolas Cage. A friend of mine who goes to Sundance saw Mandy there. Cage was there for a Q&A. Cage said that his influence for his role in Mandy, he replied, Jason Voorhees. I think that the director, um, uh, Yorgos, uh, it's not Yorgos, what the fuck is his name? He's the son of, uh, the director of Cobra. Why am I blanking on all this? Um, geez. Anyways, he, he basically told him death wish and Jason Voorhees. That's what you're kind of doing. My friend booked Mandy for the theater where he works. So the first time I saw it was at that theater. Another cage film I like was knowing they should, uh, they showed the world ending in Boston as a Bostonian that freaked me out. He also turned in a great performance in one man army. It was based on the true story. Russell Brand was great as God. Uh, Tom Grease and his son Jonathan did another movie together. It was a two-part CBS movie, Helter Skelter. Jonathan was only in it briefly. He looked like young Johnny Depp. He looked like young Johnny Depp as well as my brother's best friend, who, like Depp, was a girl magnet. Um, Ilk Vomit 88 and Eternal Combat also stars Lam Chin Ying from Mr. Vampire Progenal Sun fame. Awesome. Explosive action, another solid video, and even more solid haul. I wish I could take advantage of those Kino sales, but they don't won't ship to Australia. That blows. It really does, man. They, they have such cheap good stuff too smudge uh smudge 7057 dave i know you focus on horror but sometimes you should do a list of the best crime movies and best exploitation movies i mean i talk about exploitation movies all the time in fact when i do the years i mean there's a lot of exploitation in there uh bad brains horror hey dave got slimy little bastards 94 out of 100 excited to watch it just watch talks Avenger trauma rules great video thank you let me know what you think of the movie it's cheap my movie's cheap slimy little bastards fetish magic need to sniff those pits 
don't know about that. Uh, Stephen Hyde, love your channel and your energy. Thank you. MJ, uh, hope they don't kick you off. Stash looking sharp. I'm not that good at remembering to comment at the end of every video, but always watch every one. Thank you. Um, ABBA96, your channel is exactly what YouTube needs more of. I appreciate it. The Nick Moore from Belgium, I just love my bloody Valentine. Slasher, gold, five stars. Leave it to the Canadians to turn the day that celebrates true love into a massacre. Seems you like the film too, sir. So, still... You won't go to Canada for your honeymoon, right? Um, hope you enjoyed Cinema Wasteland. Thank you. Questions: Would you ever go to? Uh, would you ever go to a new edition of Celebration if there had been a massacre years before? Depends whose celebration. Depends if I really wanted to go. I don't know. It depends who was massacred. Uh, two. What's the most American holiday ever? And have they made a slasher about it? They made a slasher about every holiday in America, but the most American holiday ever is probably something Fourth of July. Uncle Sam. I'd say the 4th of July is the most American. Am I wrong? Um, we're blowing up shit. We're eating a lot of food. And we're just being loud. Um, we're great at that. And then uh, Joy Needful Things. I just hope you won't have to pay later. Of course. Elk Vomit. We need a, a Labor Day massacre. Uh, bunch of Ed the Labor Day guys. Like, he gets like hurt working. So he's got like a bad leg. So he gets mad at all the lazy people who are unemployed. He just thinks everybody unemployed is lazy. Even though it's not true. And then he just starts going to killing everybody. Um... By working or something, overworking. I don't know. Uh, st- we would think it out more. Stoke Stab One. I love the Toxic Avenger. It's my favorite movies. I know the new Toxic Avenger will not be the same, but I hope it's fun. Also, I'm stealing music to my eyes from you. Thanks, another great video. Thank you. Way up, dude. Uh, rainbow flag. He put the rainbow flag. Of course, support that. Uh, Travis Linscombe, six twenty. Hey, Dave, another great video. I just wanted to mention that Let Me Die a Woman is the Doris Wishman Moonlight Years box set. If you have that, I'm not sure if it's better quality than DVD, but you have already have it. Worth looking into. Fat Pig the Conqueror, a great name. I haven't read the Kaufman's book, uh, Lloyd Kaufman's book in 20 years, so I could be mistaken, but I think the first cut of Toximator 2 is over three hours, so they re-edited it into two movies. Great video. Thank you. I, I, both of the movies are almost damn near two hours apiece, so. Uh, Jaw Punk 7092 I'm curious what channels got taken down and what's exceptional about them. It would be crappy if this channel disappears. Um, there was one that I got a strike on something, and it wasn't a copyright strike, and then somebody basically who does film movies got it taken down making movies. It'd be crappy if this channel disappears. I don't have accounts for Instagram, Spotify, or Anchor. In fact, I found out about cool channels like Mr. Parker either by accident or jumping in rabbit holes. Possibly I heard you on Moods and followed the breadcrumbs. I especially like how this channel isn't monetized. Never on my weekly watch session am I made captive audience some terrible ad. Yeah, sometimes um, there is ads, but it's against my doing. They, they pop up because I put a trailer and then they want to monetize. I don't do it. It's not me. On the weekly videos, there won't ever be monetization. There won't be ads popping up if it's any. If I can stop it, if they pop up, it's not because of me. But uh, yeah, let's let's get into this update. Um, you know, I think I'm going to show a couple things right now um, from Wasteland just because like they're big and it's and I don't want to like. Yeah, you get it. So I, I bought this enamel pin of Jess Franco. They gave it to me free because I bought this big thing. They gave me a couple of these weird Emmanuel things because I bought something. Obviously, you guys know I bought the Emmanuel set now. But then I bought a George Eastman pin. I, I know I'm buying a bunch of weird little crap here, right? Weird. Oh, this is just a little one-man rioting. Give me a thing of uh, Laura Gemsher. Gotta love that. And they gave me this Cinema Wasteland Laura Gemsher poster. If I can get it off. I hate always taking this stuff off because it's going to be nudity. You kind of get the idea, right? There we go. Can you see that? Not very good quality. I mean, on me doing this. What else do I got in here? And then we'll, I'll, I'll show you the Blu-rays in the other video, right? But as far as this, I'm going to show everything that's not a Blu-ray right here. Got a Frankenhooker shirt from Paul Bearer Press. Looks excellent. What else do I got up here? Oop. Got stuff falling over. So I got this advertisement for J.R. Bookwalter's new movie he's making, which is awesome. J.R. Bookwalter making a new movie. I love that. We got a couple Fred uh, from the new August Underground releases signed by Fred Vogel. Love that, Mortem and the, the uh, original. And then we got these cute things. I'm not going to open it. Right here, this guy makes these things that look kind of like classic Halloween decorations, but they're done in this style, right? So if you look up top, you get the four that are in there. Puppet Masters, right? They're awesome. I love them. I am torn if I should open them um, and, and like look at them or not or hang them up. I'm really torn about it. But anyways, uh, we're going to get to that update.
All right, start off with some non-Wasteland stuff. First up, we have... <coughs> sorry about that. Night of the Demons on 4K. Screen Factory put this out. I love the original artwork on these 4Ks. Just makes it a little happier. Angela's having a party. Jason and Freddy are too scared to come, but you'll have a hell of a time. Love this movie, uh, 88. Uh, always one that I watched as a kid growing up. Uh, always watched it around Halloween. Now we got in 4K. Awesome stuff here. Dolby Vision in there. Kevin Tenney directed. Then we have Part 2, which I never was huge on. But it's fun and weird. Brian Treachard Smith. I definitely will revisit it on this new Blu-ray. Had the old Olive release. But yeah, I'm sure this one uh, is better than I give it credit for. I just never really liked it as much because it doesn't follow the rules at all. Um, and then we have Part 3, which has never been on Blu-ray. I had an uh, import from Canada. A couple of them actually. One had the Warner Bros. logo on the side. But yeah, this is Night of the Demons 3 here. I think we actually have work prints on 2 and 3, so that's cool. I like this one. I know most people hate it. Maybe I'll rewatch it and think it's terrible. But I remember a really crazy sex scene where the girl's in the kitten, uh, that cat outfit. But uh, yeah, then we have a couple Wasteland things. Like I said, I didn't buy that much. We have Haunting Fear. Edgar Allan Poe, that's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I think this is a Fred Olin Ray. Yeah, this is directed by Fred Olin Ray here. This is Retro Media. Michael Berryman in there. Who else? I'm sure there's a couple other people in here as well. Karen Black, Frank Stevens. Not bad, right? Michael, Michael, John, Michael Vincent, Robert Clark, Robert Quarry. It's got a good cast, honestly. So yeah, should be fun. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. Then uh, Christian uh, gave me this one from um, the Quality Violent Cinema. Uh, clown. Uh, this is supposed to be a clown mixtape. Supposed to be super bizarre. I'll have to check that out ASAP. Twenty-one of forty. Uh, and then we have a DVD of Bass Tub Shark Attack, which I watched. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I should actually review this. If I don't remember to cover it, I completely forgot to cover this one, but I'll talk about it right here. Um, so basically, this is by Madeline Deering, who directed Spirit Animal. This is like kind of a crazy SOV movie, and she did Bathtub Shark Attack, and this is a lot of fun. You know, it's a SOV. It's weird. Basically, this couple move into this apartment, and it's haunted, and Lynn Laurie runs it. Um, uh, um, Carly, my friend Carly's in here, actress, and she does a really good job. Uh, she's on 22 Shots a lot. She's done a bunch of independent movies already. She's up and coming. She does excellent in this movie. Uh, favorite performance in here is, is by her, but it's basically a little rubber shark that comes out of the drain and talks and kills people. It's really ridiculous. It's really silly. It's really kind of what you expect when you get into this thing, but it's fun, and I enjoyed watching the screening, especially watching it with Carly. Good stuff. Um, and then we have, of course, the Black, the Central World of Black Emmanuel. This has a shitload of movies on it. It's very heavy here. Um, yeah, 15 discs, 24 feature films, two soundtrack, compilation CDs, 40 hours of special features, 356-page book. This is basically what I bought instead of buying anything else there. I just knew I would not be able to live with myself if I didn't have the sensual word of Black Emmanuel. It's really cool here. It's heavy. This thing is, you could kill somebody with this. Uh, yeah, but this has a ton of movies in here. Uh, I don't even want to get into what everything is on here, but there is a lot. Do they list them all? I don't think they do. Not on the, the box, at least. But anyways, it's great to have that. Uh, let's get out of here, guys. Thank you guys very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Me.